Hey listeners, it's Brian. Before the show starts, I just wanted to let you know that you can now chat with us, other horror fans, and fans of the show on our Discord server. I had no idea what Discord was until our awesome listener Blake helped us start a Discord server, and it's kind of like a chat room website or app. That's kind of underselling it, but it's a really easy way to chat with people. We've got a nice little group of people going, and we're just chatting about horror movies, movies in general, etc. It's actually a lot of fun, and the Discord app is really slick. It's a lot more conversational than Facebook or Twitter, and it's easier to use, too. So if you want to join, I've got the link posted on our Facebook and Twitter pages, and I'll try to get it up on our website, too. I'm also going to read it out loud right now like a 70-year-old would do. It's https colon forward slash forward slash discord dot gg forward slash h capital F k capital U capital J 8. So you can just type that into your browser or just find the link on our social media pages and you'll join our little group. So if you really need to talk to somebody about how we felt about today's movie, come on over and join us on Discord. And thanks again to Blake for helping us out. Talk to you later, guys. Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashwin, I've got Brian on the phone, and on this week's episode we're kicking off our month of sequels, or otherwise known as Sequel September. And each week this month we'll be looking at reviewing a sequel of a previous movie we've seen because we haven't actually seen a lot of sequels. Um, Brian, like, yeah, I don't think any time on the show we've reviewed a sequel, have we? The only one I can think of is Dawn of the Dead. Oh, true. Yeah, that's kind of. And we reviewed that without doing Night of the Living Dead first. So yeah, we we won't have. I think some of these movies we've reviewed the the original, but some of them we we haven't. Right. Right. Yeah, and it's kind of cool we have this month now to take this opportunity to dive into some of these sequels, which I think often get overlooked. But as we know, a lot of these horror movies have like these long franchises, so it makes sense to maybe go back and see if any of them are worth uh, watching. Yeah, and I don't think, I, I guess among extreme horror fans, none of these sequels are overlooked. Mm-hmm. But if there are any that are overlooked, it would. I think this one is probably the most overlooked because you and I even both brushed it off in, in passing conversation in a previous episode we had never seen it, but we were like, well, why did they make a sequel to that? Right, yeah. I know. Um, and we're also celebrating the release of It Chapter 2. I don't know if you mentioned that already. No, yeah. And that's like kind of the big one coming up this month that we're going to be building up to. Yeah. So we figured we'd make a month out of it. Yeah, nice. And so to kick it off, we're going to be talking about Psycho 2, which was released in 1983, directed by Richard Franklin, uh, starring Anthony Perkins and Vera Miles. And this is the sequel to Psycho, and it's about the adventures of Norman Bates after he gets released from a mental institution 22 years after the first film. (laughs) The adventures. Yeah. (laughs) I thought I'd add a fun twist to it. Um, So this one, as you mentioned, like, yeah, it it is kind of already revered in the horror community. And I think one of our listeners recommended that this was one of the scariest movies they'd seen or something. Yeah. uh, 
this person's Twitter handle or Twitter name is Scampy at Scampy Spiro S P I R O. Uh, so yeah, Scampy kind of sung the praises of this movie in our listener appreciation episode for our one year anniversary. So mm-hmm. we figured we'd check it out. Yeah, thanks for the recommendation, Scampy. Yeah, thanks, Scampy. Put it on our radar. That's yeah. good. Um, this was written by a guy named Tom Holland, who I think after this film went on to direct Child's Play and Fright Night. So after being a writer here, it sounds like you know his career kind of kicked off and, and he became uh, known for some other films. And I think uh, you know we're, when we're recording this episode, he just came out in the new Spider-Man movie. Did you know that? Wait, are you confusing him with the Tom Holland who plays Spider-Man? Are you confusing that he isn't the same Tom Holland? <laughs> One of us is confusing so, something. You think there's some sort of supernatural thing at play here? Totally, man. Totally. <laughs> it only makes sense. First, like in the 60s, 70s, he was, he was a writer, then became a director, and now he's become a child uh, or a young actor that plays the new Spider-Man. I think that's how it goes. And he gets young. Yeah, yeah, Benjamin buttoning it. <laughs> so, uh, he also directed okay. Thinner, which seems like... It's a slightly, it's in the vein of that concept going backwards, shrinking oh, yeah. in time or shrinking in space. <laughs> That's true. That plays into exactly his progression. Yeah, he, he did that in, in another Stephen King movie. Did he do Langoliers? Langoliers, yeah. And yeah. he not only did he direct Fright Night, but he wrote it as well. Oh, wow. Okay, so pretty big so, name. Yeah, this dude's responsible for a, a lot of great stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I, I didn't realize this, but I guess the first Psycho was written by a guy named Robert Block, and he also wrote the sequel to it, but, uh, I guess Hollywood and, and, uh, the studios ended up going with a separate story. Um, do you know more about, like, have you read the original content at all? Uh, no, I haven't. I think to clarify, Robert Block wrote the novels Psycho and Psycho 2. He didn't write the screenplay for Psycho. Uh, even the original Psycho, he didn't write the, well, it wasn't this, I think the screenplay for the original one was more based off of his novel, right? It was, yeah, it was pretty close to the novel, but I don't think he, I'm 90% sure he did not write the screenplay. Okay, got it. And on this, the sequel that, the, the film, I guess, that totally ignored, uh, Psycho 2 that he wrote, which. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Did you read anything about his sequel? Because it sounded kind of cool. It sounded very meta, like Norman Bates gets out from jail and he's like going to Hollywood to stop them from making a sequel or something or making a film. Yeah, they're like going to make a movie about him. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, it did sound cool. Yeah. Um, It's it's, uh, really great to see that they use the same house. Like I guess that house was still there from 22 years ago, which 22 years between a part one and a part two, doesn't that seem like a huge gap? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty nuts. I think 23 in the release year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why we were both just like, why did they make a sequel? Right, yeah, it's so crazy. Um, Can you think of any other sequels that have taken that long to come out? Hmm, there are, I'm sure there are some that have taken at least almost that long. Mm. I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head. I mean, even Dawn of the Dead, I think, was 10 years Oh, okay. After after Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. I feel like the trend these days is more like if something came out like that long ago or more than 10, 15 years ago, you just kind of do a remake or maybe like a prequel or something. Uh, right. I, I just feel like it's rare you see like a, suddenly a part two coming out. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. But I think this was uh, this was the right script for it. 
Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what they're waiting for. Uh, yeah. A script that can do it justice. Um, and it is apparently like a big success. Uh, this one made about $34 million on a budget of like 4 or $5 million, So uh, pretty successful. Uh, you know, met, met the success of its predecessor. Though I think the original Psycho is like considered one of the best movies or like it gets a lot of uh, accolades, right? And in the, in the, on the horror side. Yeah, it's definitely considered, I think, by a lot of people to be one of the best movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, not only did they make a sequel, I didn't know this until recently. There's, what, like five movies. There's Psycho 2 in 1983, Psycho 3 in 86, Psycho 4, The Beginning in 1990, and then I did know that there's a Psycho remake in 1998. Oh, Wow, I didn't know that. that do, you, do you remember that? It was starring Vincent Vaughn? Or Vince no. Vaughn? Are you serious? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I saw that, actually. That sounds terrible. Like Vince Vaughn as, a, as Norman Bates? It was pretty poorly reviewed. Yeah, I can imagine. There's also... And there was uh, also a TV movie and a TV show, Bates Motel. Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought Bates Motel was actually supposed to be decent. Have you seen any of that? I haven't, but it does sound like it was supposed to be good. Yeah. Uh, okay. Our girl Vera Farmiga was a star of that. Oh, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Wow. She's she's like in everything now. I'm not worried. Uh, yeah, I, I do want to see and, and I like that format because that's like a TV show and um, has a bunch of episodes, so I'm sure they can go a lot more in depth in some of these colors because I think that's really the, the brilliance of Psycho is, is like the character studies um, of like Norman and his mom and that whole relationship and him as a serial killer. That's That's kind of the strength of the film, I think. Yeah, for sure. A nice, nice of a um, You know, speaking of tying this to Child's Play through Tom Holland, did you notice that the main actress here was Meg Tilly, who's mm-hmm. the sister of Jennifer Tilly? Um, who is Jennifer Tilly? She voices the the bride of Chucky, and I'm I'm sorry, everybody. We don't we don't know the bride of Chucky's name. <laughs> we need to watch way more Child's Play and Chucky sequels, but <laughs> yeah. Um, you'd recognize her voice, like the second you heard her voice. She was in uh, Liar Liar. Oh, who was she in Liar Liar? The mom? No, she was, I think, a client of, oh. of Jim Carrey's. The one with he, short uh, blonde hair, and she's got a raspy voice. Oh yeah, that's the one he hooks up with, right? No. Oh. We'll go through it all offline. Okay. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> we'll save that for our Liar Liar podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. So she's also, uh, related to someone there. That's good. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'd never heard of Meg Tilly before. It sounds like she was, wasn't like really popular on the set. People didn't really like her. She didn't really get along with people. But, yeah, she did not. Yeah. Tough, tough environment. Yeah. I don't think she was familiar with Psycho like at all and didn't understand why Anthony <laughs> Perkins was getting so much attention. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. I think the original one probably came out before she was born, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Well, yeah, maybe. But still, you think you would know. I know, I know. Um, You would think you would know. Uh, Yeah. Hey, some. So, speaking of like the original Psycho and its influence, I feel like in a past episode you've mentioned that the original Psycho is considered as one of like the first slasher films or like first or second. Is that true? Yeah. Some people consider it like the first or second horror film and then some people would consider it or a horror film slasher film mm-hmm. and some people consider it like a proto slasher 
Oh, a proto slasher. Um, like okay. the, a, like a godfather of the slasher movie. Okay. Yeah. And this uh, one's a full on slasher, I think. Yeah, this one kind of brought the '80s slasher vibe more to it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of kind of fun to see that clash, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of forget in the original. I mean, I, I think there were like six, five or six people that died in the original, but I don't remember it like being gory or anything. Um, but yeah, I guess you saw like a lot of knives and going up and down. Yeah, were that were there that many people that died in the original? I'm trying to think. Uh, actually, Cash that might have been. I need no, to not... rewatch that. I know there was about five or six in this. Yo, yeah, sorry. Maybe I'm talking about this one. I think the original only had maybe two or three people died. It was like... Yeah, that, that sounds more correct. Boy, we are yeah. just stepping in our own shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nicer than stepping in someone else's shit sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any, any, uh, anything else uh, to add before we jump into the spoilers in the review? Any Ohio connections? Uh, I do have an Ohio connection, but on the topic of uh, people who are related to one another with the Tillies, Anthony Perkins' son, Osgood Perkins, played a young Norman in a flashback in this movie. Oh, yeah, right. So you see him like on the doorknob or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Osgood would grow up to direct and write The Black Coat's Daughter. Oh, Wow. Yeah, and I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. That Netflix movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. And uh, is that your Ohio connection? Oh no, yeah, right, Ohio. Um, so you mentioned that they used the original house, uh, like the original set of the original house from mm-hmm. the first Psycho movie. There was a rumor circulating that that I think was actually published in a in an unrelated book that the actual house used for the design of the Psycho House still stands in Kent, Ohio. Oh, wow. Are you serious? Yeah, I guess uh, there was a rumor that it it was from Kent, Ohio, and yeah. now you can find on the internet, like, oh, it still stands in Kent, Ohio. Oh, but that's awesome. that rumor was debunked Damn. not only by the author of the books, Robert Block, but by Hitchcock himself. They both wrote a letter to this KSU professor denying it. Oh, okay. So it's not like based on an actual house in Kent, Ohio? No, basically a dude, it's not at all, but some dude yeah. who wrote a book about the Kent State shootings randomly included that in his book. <laughs> um, which sounds like it was just a poorly researched book in general. Yeah. <laughs> some fake news going on in there. It's, yeah, essentially. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's such a random fact to like just throw in on a, on a book about the shootings in, uh, in Kent State. Yeah, it's strange. I think he was just trying to generally make things creepy. Right, right. Um, and it's weird that like Hitchcock and this author would go out of their way to write yeah. a letter to a KSU professor. Like, <laughs> it must have really caught on. Cool, good, good find there. It's wild. All right, that took some digging. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. I like that one a lot. That's that's awesome. Because yeah, the, the house is like so. I I so there is there an actual house or was that just built for the studio? No, just complete falsification. Oh, it was at a, it's a set. It's a, I'm pretty sure it's a set. Got it. Okay. So you can't like drive somewhere and actually see that house somewhere. No. Okay. You cannot. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a creepy house. That'd, that'd be cool if you could yeah. see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great house. Like the interior and everything. They did a good job making the house creepy in this one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Cool. Well, anything else before we jump into the, the spoilers? That's it. Let's move forward. 
All right. Well, uh, before we get to the plot, uh, I need to take a quick break. Uh, this seems to be something blocking the toilet, so I'll be right back. Okay. All right. Hey, man, I'm back. <laughs> I like how I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, it's, you know, just the usual toilet block. Happens all the time in my house. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what was it, man? Just uh, You know, I went the out usual? with a plunger. Yeah, the usual, just like a bunch of blood popping out. Um, <laughs> either like someone died or I need to like go see a gastrointestinal doctor tomorrow. <laughs> Debating. 50-50 at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or someone uh, died and you ate them. <laughs> yeah, a combination of the both. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. I don't know who to see for that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about the plot here. Uh, so th- this movie opens up with a flashback to like the iconic scene in the first Psycho where you have this woman who's being murdered in the shower. You know, uh, I, th- I think it's a famous scene that's like referenced all over the place. And um, she's there in the shower, and someone comes in and stabs her through the curtain or whatever. Um, Brian, I think the movie got some criticism on this for like opening with the flashback of the most iconic scene ever. What were your thoughts? It is weird and maybe a little bit cheap because that scene is so famous that just it's strange to start your movie with a scene from the original. And it wasn't like, hey, you need to remember this to mm-hmm. understand what's happening next. It was. <laughs> It, it was a little cheap. I, I agree with that criticism. I, it didn't like piss me off or anything, but I get it. Yeah, it w- it did feel very unnecessary, and uh, yeah. I'm not sure if it added too much value to the rest of the movie. Oh, I'll I'll sneak in another relation that the that most diehard horror fans will know this, but Janet Lee, the wo- actress who got stabbed in the shower, was Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot you mentioned that a while ago. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So then, yeah. uh, so this movie picks up uh, 22 years after the first movie. Um, Norman Bates, he's being released from jail after being cured of insanity, which is kind of bonkers. Like he killed, I don't know, yeah, maybe we said like four or five people in the first movie. He's a serial killer. And they're just kind of like letting him go back out into the wild. Does that ever happen? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it has. I mean, I feel like you see news stories all the time about people who are like rape a whole bunch of people and then get released after like two years. Wow. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's not the craziest thing. Okay. There's different politics at play there, but um, sure. But yeah, I, I it's not the craziest thing, but it did. I found it a bit implausible. That was my maybe my biggest beef with this movie. Yeah, yeah. How he's just like kind of let go, and and while he's being let go, we're introduced at the courthouse to Lila Loomis. She is the sister of that victim from the first movie who was murdered in the shower. And I think I think she like her character and the actress were in the first film, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And so she's at the court protesting, you know, that, like why they're letting him go. It's crazy to let this real killer go. So she's obviously really bothered by this. But Norman and his doctor basically, you know, just ignore her and they head off. So uh, Norman goes back to the hotel to start his life again, the Bates Hotel. Uh, even though his doctor is like, you know, this is kind of a bad idea for you to be going back to the place where, you know, all this stuff happened and he might be a setback for you, but whatever, he's back there. Um, he gets a job at this local diner and he meets this young woman named Mary. She's a waitress working there. And, uh, we find out that Mary just had this falling out with her boyfriend 
And Norman convinces her to come back and stay at his hotel or at his house with him. And, uh, you know, after some convincing, she ends up going. And the first night's a little stressful because uh, Mary tells Norman that she knows about his past and, like, what he's done and who he is and that she she probably should leave. But he's, like, kind of creepily, can like, you know, really insistent, insisting that he she stays there. And basically he tells her that um, he needs her to stay because uh, he's he's nervous. He's really weird, feeling weird about being back at home again. So she stays, which at this point in the movie, like, I thought that was super weird. What, what did you think? It was weird, but it kind of seemed like she was somebody who was really down on her luck and didn't have many good relationships or people she could rely on. So Sure. Desperate enough. I understood it. Yeah. Oh, and just to be slightly pedantic, it's the Bates Motel, not Hotel. Oh, yeah, my bad. Uh, autocorrect. Yeah. We've Bates. probably pissed people off enough already, but <laughs> right. one last thing. <laughs> All right. Yeah, the Bates Motel, which... Uh, yeah, I was going to ask what the difference between a motel and a hotel was. We could figure that out later. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that when we trace the, uh, liar, liar plot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that first night, uh, it, yeah, things get a little, a little tense. She ends up staying, but she sleeps with uh, a chair against the door, uh, just as protection. Um, but then after the first night, she, I think she starts to trust, uh, Norman and ends up moving into him, uh, into the house kind of as a roommate so they start to build this relationship up things start getting weird where norman starts finding notes from his dead mother uh and he's getting these phone calls where she's starting to tell him like hey don't let that slut into the house or um you know stuff like the way she talked in the first film like you know you gotta stay pure or whatever um like kind of just telling him not to sleep around and uh, associate with other girls um, at one point, his mother's old room is suddenly like he walks in there and suddenly like it, it, it looks like brand new, like someone's living there and all her dresses are hanging and he thinks like his mother's back. But then when he comes to like show it to Mary, it's back to like, you know, being this uh, covered room. Um, so and he's also kind of seeing images of his mother in the distance uh, standing at the window, which I, I thought I think that's something from the first film, too. But that's a really cool image of you see that woman's shadow up in the house. Did you, did you like that? Yeah, for sure. And I, I really liked the uh, the journey here because it's, it's very much a psychological horror. It, mm-hmm. You don't know if someone's planning to prank on him or if he's seeing this stuff. And yeah. you don't know what's real and neither does Norman. Yeah, exactly. As, as if you're, you're wondering, like, is this him? Yeah, or is, where's uh, like stuff going, going on? Um, that, yep. Yeah, that's, that's a fun part about this. Um, so then people start dying. Uh, the, the guy who was managing the, ho- the motel gets uh, murdered uh there's some kids that come into the the basement to make out um and someone comes in and murders them you can't see who's doing the murdering and i think this is kind of where it gets more slasher vibey um we see a scene where blood starts pumping out from the toilets and the sink uh which i don't know i i feel like that was just kind of like 80s that's kind of the thing they do at that time like you had to have that (laughs) yeah it was yeah it was just kind of for fun yeah we, we gotta have that scene um, so yeah, things are, things are getting weird. People are dying. Norman's kind of, uh, thinking his mother's back and, and getting these notes where he thinks, uh, she's talking to him. Um, but then we find out that Mary, this girl that's moved in with him is actually the daughter of Leela Loomis, the, the mother, or the, the woman that we saw in the beginning of the film, who was the sister of the victim from the first film, who was against Norman being released. And so Leela and her daughter, Mary have been conspiring to try to frame Norman or like get him to like slip back into insanity so that he's put back into jail again. Um, and so 
uh, I think we kind of chalk up like the calls and the notes to those two kind of messing around with him or like the the woman in the window that was probably like Mary or uh, Leela just, you know, trying to freak Norman out. Um, but Mary, we've, we find out, has kind of had a change of heart, like living with Norman. I think she's starting to bond with him and realize that, you know, he's actually not this murderer anymore. And she kind of has a falling out with her mother. And I don't know, I, I thought the whole Norman and uh, Mary relationship was kind of weird. Did, did you understand it? Like, was that like a love relationship or friends or a uh, creepy uncle? What, what do you think? I think somewhere in between all of those things. Like, he <laughs> definitely had feelings for Mary. Oh, yeah? I would guess. It seemed like it. I mean, yeah, why not? Sure. Okay. Yeah. And, I, and then I think she was starting to at least feel for him and that like, oh, this is like a human and he really is like yeah, maybe better and trying to be as good as he can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was, th- there was a little bit of awkwardness there and I think it's just because Norman's strange. He it's is. almost kind of like he... So apparently he poisoned his mom when he was 12, right? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like he stopped at 12, like developmentally. Like he almost acts like a, a grown man, 12-year-old. Sure. Yeah. That's a good way to describe him. Kind of. Kind so of like I a, didn't feel mm-hmm. like, it did feel like it was awkward between the two of them, but I don't think that took away from the experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of hard to put a finger on that relationship, but, uh, you're right. I mean, like, I think mentally he's kind of underdeveloped and that's why it's hard to kind of really place, like, maybe she was just very sympathetic towards him or something. Um, and, and saw him as like, yeah, someone who's like come back and maybe, you know, needs a second chance or something. Yeah. And I don't mean to say he like mentally stopped at 12, but maybe just like socially or emotionally. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, I, buy, I buy that. And then, uh, so yeah, Norman, uh, you know, we, we've, we've been with him. He's been kind of falling apart, thinking his mother is alive and telling people his mother is still alive and, and calling him. And sometimes he's picking up the phone and talking to his mother. And as a viewer, we're kind of thinking now, all right, well, it was all Mary and Leela messing around. Um, but then Leela comes to the house and she gets murdered by someone. And then, um, uh, yeah. And then after that, uh, Mary... Uh, Norman comes home. The police have just found some other dead bodies. And Mary comes to Norman and is like, you need to get out of here. They're, the cops are going to come arrest you because, you know, they're finding these dead bodies. But he answers the phone and he's on the phone with his dead mother, supposedly. And he's saying, no, uh, I'm going to stay. There's no point in running. She's trying to convince him. And out of desperation, she puts on uh, the, the mask or sorry, the wig that makes her look like his mother and tries to talk to him and tell him, you know, I'm your mother, we need to leave the house because that's the only person he's going to listen to. Well, she's dressed up as Norman's mother. The doctor, for some reason, jumps out and tries to, like, confront her, and he accidentally stabs and kills her. Or, no, she accidentally stabs him and kills him after he falls down the stairs with a knife in his chest. And then uh, Norman sees this and thinks that, you know, he's now he's kind of, like, lost it, and he thinks, like, oh, shoot, this is my mom. She just killed this doctor. And he's like going up to her and kind of confronting her. And out of panic, she stabs and tries to kill Norman. But before she can kill him, the police come in, find her dressed up like Norman's dead mom and shoot her. And they end up pinning all the deaths onto her because she apparently was dressed up as his mom. And they knew like she was trying to mess with him and that it was like her and her mom the whole time just trying to set Norman up. So they they chalk up all the deaths and everything to 
Mary and Lila, which I thought was a pretty convenient way to wrap things up. Uh, did that? Yeah, yeah. Did that all make sense uh, to you, like from a police case aspect? I think it did. It was enough for me. Okay. I I think the the weak point of this movie was the police work for me and the realism of how Norman was treated and how you know how he was released and how the cops reacted to him. Yeah being back in society into this town and how they reacted to the murders that were happening was pretty unrealistic. Yeah. They're all like super cool but, with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't think this part of it took it. It didn't hurt that anymore for me. I already kind of knew yeah. the police work was shoddy in this movie, <laughs> but yeah. Expectations. It wasn't like the camel that broke the, or the straw, the camels, you know what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. Yeah. So the expectations but, uh, of police work were already pretty low at this point, I guess. Exactly. So I think I had just turned my my like warning signs off about that kind of stuff and was sure. just along for the ride at this point. Sure, sure. Uh, so yeah, the police police wrap it up for, to them. It's a closed case, but I think for the viewer, like you're still wondering, like definitely someone was in the house potentially. Uh, someone killed uh, Mary's mom, uh, Leela, and it probably wasn't Mary. Um, so I think as a viewer, you're still kind of, you know, thinking there's a killer out there and it wasn't Norman or what, what was going on there. And so, right. yeah. And so the last scene in the movie ends where Norman's eating dinner by himself and this woman from the diner that he worked at shows up and she tells Norman that, uh, her name is Emma and that she's actually his real mother. She's been the one calling him. She's been the one going around actually killing people. Um, and she's been just kind of protecting him. Uh, and the mother from the first psycho is actually her sister and that she's been like, I think she was kept in an insane asylum for a while. And that's why like she never met Norman before, but now she's back and she's going to take care of him. And then Norman, uh, drugs her the same way. Like he drugged his other mother by giving her some tea that kind of knocks her out. And then he, uh, hits her with the shovel over her head and kills her. And the movie ends with him, uh, walking up the stairs with her and her dead body in his arms and doing the mother voice where he's speaking as if he's her and, uh, you know, kind of yelling at him through her voice. And it kind of ends in a way that I think Psycho 1, the first one, like where, where Norman was, right? Like that's like kind of where his character was as like a, a guy who had these two personalities. One is his dead mother and one is him uh, doing that voice, right? Yep. Yeah, it kind of basically made him revert to the person he was in the original movie. Yeah. And basically undid all his hard work and treatment. Right. Which, I yeah, I thought that was a, kind of a brilliant ending, just to kind of bring it full circle that way. Yeah, yeah, it was good. And kind of, like, sad. You you did come to empathize with Norman quite a bit by the end of this movie. Yeah, because you kind of realize he was innocent for the most part in this movie, and it was, like, these other factors that were going around him of these people, uh, these other actors yeah. working in ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to feel bad for him when he's, like, sincerely trying to re-enter society and do the right thing in all aspects of life and have these people messing with him and trying to drive him crazy. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, so, yeah, really easy to sympathize with him. And then, uh, yeah, at the end, he's, he's kind of like a victim again. Um, what, what, what did you think of the movie? What, what did you like, didn't like, what worked? You know, I... I'll start with, I liked a lot about this movie actually, but I'll start with some of the negatives. As I mentioned, the whole thing was predicated and you mentioned too, it's all predicated on this serial killer being released and roaming free and the whole town knowing he's a serial killer. And it just, 
it didn't seem to happen the way it would have really happened. Like the police were very lackadaisical about all of it. And like, mm-hmm. oh, there were some murders in the house where he was, but there's no body or anything. It's just a, a rumor. So <laughs> yeah, but these people are missing. I, I don't know. It, it was implausibly unrealistic police work. Yeah, they kept uh, kind of varying or assuming that he was innocent the whole time. Even when people would be like, "Ah, oh, there's like bodies going missing and people dying," he was yeah, he was always like let off the hook. I feel like the police were always on his side for some reason. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then my other complaint is when this may just be a personal pet peeve of mine when somebody at the end of the movie turns out to be like the killer or the guilty party or whatever it may be, and you've seen that person in the movie before, but kind of like barely. Oh, yeah. Like, right. the woman who is his real mom, she was in, in, like, a scene or two earlier. She works at the diner, but she really wasn't prominent enough to be like, oh, it was her. It's just like, oh. It, it was almost <laughs> as just, it would have been exactly the same as if we'd never seen that person before. True. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. I don't know, though, but, I mean, because if, if it was one of the main characters where you had, I don't know, in this film, three or four main characters, I guess, um, it would have been too obvious to make it one of them, right? So it's a, I feel like they had to go with someone. I mean, I was I was thinking for a while it was the doctor uh, because he was kind of like always there in the background and following Norman around. Um, and I get what you're saying, like this is kind of like an obscure character in there, but I, to, to assume it was one of the four or five main characters, wouldn't, don't you think that would have maybe become too obvious? Yeah, that's a good point too. So that And that may be why, why that is like that in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah. But otherwise, I really liked it. I, I liked the premise of him returning to society and like basically being afraid of the house. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the vibe that they captured of this house. Uh, oh, and he had trouble like saying the word cut and couldn't quite like find the word for yeah. bathroom. Yeah. It, just his character in it was really intriguing to me. And I think it was a bit of a commentary on mental health, possibly. Mm-hmm. And it was a smart murder mystery, and then it was combined with the eightiesness of it all, like the blood <laughs> in the toilets and very rubbery practical effects. Like Leela, yeah. when she gets stabbed, screams before it happens, and then the knife goes through her mouth and out the back of her yeah. head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I liked the the eighties uh, touches, like yeah, kind of gory, some gory deaths. And then, like, the shower scene suddenly, like, now now in this version, like, there are boobs in it. So it was, it was kind of like a, a, a nice, like, clash of, like, you know, it opens with that scene from the 60s version, and now, like, it's kind of an 80s fight, and, like, yeah, here you're going to have the typical slasher moves and boobs. Yeah, and it's cool that they, like we said earlier, it, it's a movie credited, the original, with starting or being a precursor to slasher movies, and then just to make an all-out slasher movie... Mm-hmm. as the sequel right in the middle of the kind of golden era of slashers but also make it a really smart script yeah and kind of an honest and sincere take on norman bates's uh mental state and emotional state and who he is as a person i i liked it i thought it was the right way to go with a sequel yeah you're right i, I think that the way they combine those elements being the, the slasher stuff and this pink tribute to the 60s original film uh, it it could have gotten a lot worse, and this does feel like one of the smartest slasher films of that uh, genre or that, or that time period, right? I can't think of. Yeah, I mean, I I generally did not know who who was the killer or even have any good guess. Right. Yeah, and I was I was, was kind of lost on this one, uh, and it, yeah, I guess it's because we barely saw that one. 
<laughs> yeah. What yeah. I was blown away even, I don't know why, I'd, I guess maybe I should have seen it coming, but I was blown away to learn that Mary was pranking oh. him essentially the whole time with her mom. Right, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of cool. They had like two or three twists throughout this, which kept it Yeah, fresh. that was just like halfway through the movie, a revelation that, that kind of blew me away. Yeah. I was surprised that uh, Revelation came so early on. I kind of would have thought they would have like saved that for later on in the film. Because uh, once you find that out, then I feel like the story kind of slows down where everyone's just like the whole time thinking it's Mary and her daughter are up to it. I liked it because it built some tension between him and Mary. Well, I, did he, either when he confronted her about it, like was that a long scene or was that just one scene? I think it was just one scene and it was a little bit longer i think from when the audience knows that mary is doing this and when norman knows that mary's doing this right okay yeah there's a bit of a gap okay i think so yeah 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 but i i mean i think you're right like so much of this is like watching anthony perkins and in, in his uh, depiction of norman bates and it is kind of like a mental health study in a way like he's just such a uh, strange character and um it's almost like he's like really endearing uh, but then there's like something creepy at the same time. It's it's a weird like mix. Like it goes from one to the other really quick. Yeah, it is a strange mix, uh, and it's it's tough too. It's almost tough to get on board with it as the viewer. But once you get used to it, it it really works. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, and I, I think I agree with you. Like I, everything except the premise of uh, him like being released and being allowed to go back to the hotel and like having this doctor show up every now and then. And the cops being so like uh, easygoing about the whole thing, outside of like all of those uh, misgivings, I, I do feel like it was like a smart script uh, that that kind of worked, panned out pretty yeah, well. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. How many uh, knives through the throat would you give this one? I give it four knives through the throat. Mm, generous. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I liked it. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, there's an element of, of it to me that felt like I was watching Clue, uh, but like mixed with Friday the 13th. And, you know, you ever go like watch, like you ever see a magician? Uh, like once I was at a, at a bar and a magician was doing a bunch of tricks. And like for the first like five minutes, it was interesting. And then I just started to get pissed because I couldn't figure out how he was doing it. And he just kept doing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it just got like kind of frustrating me, like you know, just tell us like how are you doing this? Is it really magic? Or like, what? It's not magic. Like, what are you doing, man? And it, <laughs> I, I kind of felt like that, like halfway through this, I was just like so confused on who it could be or how it was happening, and even like when people started dying, like I don't know, that that part started to frustrate me a bit. Did, you didn't feel that? Uh, no, no, I, I thought it was fun. Ah, oh, man. I think it would have been frustrating had there not been the twist halfway through the movie about Mary, like. Yeah. Because then you would have just spent the whole movie like, okay, like, just tell me who it is already. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just get to it. But that, that was the thing. I feel like once you knew that twist about Mary and Leela, you kind of, uh, you kind of, I, I kind of ruled them out as the killers because, well, I actually, I guess Mary still could have been a killer in that situation. Uh, it complicated things. So it was like, okay, then if it's not them or wait, is it them? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think it made it more interesting. So I, yeah. I think that as a viewer, I stayed engaged because of that twist and didn't get pissed at the bar magician. <laughs> I think you're right. I, yeah, I think I think you're right. That that was like a very effective like kind of way to mess with you. Like we'll give you this one, uh, this like whole new dimension, but you don't know what it does to your like original question of who's who's the killer. Uh, so yeah, I, maybe I'm with you. I'll, I'll give it a, actually, I, I think I'd give it like a three and a half. Uh, <laughs> I, cause I, I didn't think it was too scary or anything, but it was intriguing enough that, uh, yeah, it, it, that it was mildly frustrating, but it was good. It, 
I rarely change my ratings from after I watch the movie to when we talk, but it seems like you do it a lot. I do, yeah. I, n- I never come up with the rating <laughs> before the film. I was, <laughs> or I, I mean, b- before we record. you. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I, like, I like to hear both sides of the argument and then go. Uh, but right, yeah. I respect it. All right. Well, cool. Anything else uh, worth mentioning about this one? Oh, that's it. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, it's a good, good way to kick off our sequel September viewings. Uh, I'm really excited for the next few ones that we're going to watch. Ho- hopefully they'll yeah, tell us. Yeah, me too. Yeah, ho- hopefully they won't keep us you know, going on these tricks for that long. We'll a little more forthcoming. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for our discussion on Psycho 2. If you enjoyed our episode, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. That can help other people find our show, and we always love the love on there. Um, if you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on our website, horrormovieclub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. Our logo is by Amy May Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you're looking to bring a girl home to meet your mother, make sure to hide all the cutlery. Thank you.